Hello, I'm Glory Hound from Glory Hound Presents, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Hello and welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legends of Tabletop podcast. This is episode 172, and I am excited to have Glory Hound on the show tonight. How's it going? It's going really well. <laughs> that's good. That's good. You are like all over the place. It's so hard to like keep track. You're like busy, busy, busy. Oh my goodness. So busy. Yeah. That's uh, this last past year, we moved to video production as you know, opposed to our audio production only. And I feel like that things aren't blowing up, but they are getting much, much more busy. So I feel like I've been to a lot of conventions this year and I'm a little tired. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, let, let, let's start right from the very beginning. How did the name come about? Oh my goodness. Okay. This is an interesting story. Okay. So Glory Hound, was originally, I used to play a lot of World of Warcraft mm -hmm. and I used to play it with my partner and we were creating characters together and he's like, I'm gonna be Glory Hog. And I was like, well, that's such a cool name. Like I want a cool name, that's not <laughs> fair. And so I ended up picking Glory Hound. And so our camaraderie of doing that and hanging out with friends and playing video games and everything, that's just kind of who we became online. We're those personas of Glory Hound and Glory Hog. And Whenever I started going into tabletop games, I thought to myself, well, that's already a name I'm kind of already known by in like this video game sort of form. And why not just pass that along? I like the name a lot. Me and my partner still both use Glory Hound and Glory Hog for our stuff. And it's just, I don't have it like as a license plate, like all sorts of stuff. I already got all the, the stuff for it. So right. well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> But it sounds good, and it makes me sound like I'm a super boss board game player. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I don't know if it was like, you know, you just super cutthroat, love to win, <laughs> play hardcore, you know. Well, Dr. Glory Hog would say so, yes, very much. I'm <laughs> super, you know, I'm not, I'm not the jerk of the group, but I will very quietly win everything if you let me like very easily i'm very nice about it <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair do you wind up um teaching a lot of games then so like that's that's kind of the problem that i run into is i'm super competitive you know when we play and it's worse when it's with with friends because you could be like hey fuck you whatever you right know. um <laughs> you know if we go to conventions and stuff like that obviously i i try to like keep that in check and then whatever but within my group, I wind up teaching a lot of games. So, you know, it becomes like this kind of push and pull of like, I really want to just rub <laughs> your nose in the sand, but I have to teach you how to play it first. So yeah. we're both on a level playing field. <laughs> yeah, I do end up teaching a lot of games to people. Um, I'm the rules reader in my house. So I'm always reading rules and teaching the newest thing. And 
it, it always becomes at the end like, oh, you won because you went ahead and read the rules ahead of time. Or if I like missed out on some minute details, it was like, oh, now you tell us now that you're using it. I'm like, guys, <laughs> that is not the case. Okay. So yeah, it's always a double edged sword with that. I'm helping them. But in the end, you're kind of always going to get blamed whether or not whatever you're doing up, oh, we're going to get a visit by by the cat. There you go. <laughs> but well, yeah, we, absolutely. Yeah. Well, see, that's when you just tell me you got to play better. Oh, <laughs> you have better you have better answers than I do. You just play better. man. God, <laughs> get on <Yeah>. my level. <laughs> <laughs> Now, are you good with rules then? Like, I I wound up doing a lot of um, playthrough videos, watch and play and thing like stuff like that, um, because I'll read it and think that I know what we're doing. And we've played games for, I swear, we've played some games for like years and not played them right the entire time. <laughs> and it's just like, hey, let me double check because I don't remember like how much coins are we supposed to get or whatever. And you just start like scroll. I'm like, shit. We've never played this game the right way. I think that happens to everybody. I think it was maybe only a few years ago that somebody told me, hey, uh, whenever you place this down in Lord's Waterdeep, you're supposed to pick that figure back up. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't even know how many years I've had this game and I've played it that way the entire time. I think that, uh, I mean, especially when you have a large rule book, there's always something that you're going to end up missing. So if you can read the rules, and then see it like on a watch it played sort of thing and then reread the rules and go over it. That's like the best way to do it. But I mean, when you're learning a game, you're always gonna, you're always gonna have something happen. I think uh, Arboretum was a pretty hard rule set and it's like the simplest game to actually play. Right. But when you're reading the rules, you're like, well, what the heck are we supposed to be doing here? Like <laughs> we put this card down and then are we passing? And then all of a sudden we played a few rounds and I was like, why aren't, why don't we have the equal amount of cards for all the players? Like what's happening in this game? And I mean, well, thank God there's people like, you know, Rodney <laughs> out there teaching us games right. too. Right. <laughs> for the most part, I feel like I have an 85% accuracy though, if I'm reading. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If there's a really solid set of rules, I'm pretty good at picking it up and then visualizing what I'm supposed to be doing with it. So hence, why I'm the designated rule reader though. So. Right. Right. I'll, uh, I'll look at stuff and I'll, you know, somebody will ask a question. I'm like, I don't know, let me look. And I'm like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't say that you can, but it doesn't say that you can't. So I don't know. Let's just make a decision. We'll House just rules, play that way. Right. House rules. <laughs> or what's even worse is, you know, you read something somewhere and somebody's like, well, where's that in the rule book? And I was like, Oh my God, hold on. <laughs> and then like, 20 minutes later, you're like, here it is, right here, right here. I told you. <laughs> it's like the worst game of D&D &D ever. Hold on, let me right? look that up. <laughs> well, meanwhile, everybody's chatting and you're like, dang it, I just want to play games. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Now, with your schedule being what it is and, and, you know, recording and everything else, how often do you guys get to actually sit and play that's not, you know, work related where you actually can just get together and play games and have a good time. That's a really tough question because the more that you end up doing with all of your production and everything and your social media and everything, almost everything becomes work, you know, and that's kind of the sad part of it. I mean, at least it's like fun work and I enjoy yeah. it a lot, but 
as far as like just going out of my way to play a game that I was like, yeah, you know, I love playing this game. Let's go back to it and play it. It's actually pretty rare nowadays. You know, I used to do that all the time or I'd get a quick game in of like Railroad Inc. or something by myself. And I feel like I haven't done that in a very long time, probably at least a good six months or so where I'm just trying to turn things out over and over. Even my designated game nights <laughs> where I go over to somebody's house is just to play new games because like they need to demo things or they need to like play things in order to do their reviews. I'm like, they like everything I do is for some sort of production, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, I, you know, we say downside, right? But I mean, it is, it is still cool, right? You, you're getting experience a lot of different things. Like it's very cool. Yeah. It's, Nothing that I would ever really super complain about. Oh, boohoo, I get to play new games all the time. <laughs> like, no, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy I enjoy learning lots of new games. Whereas I think some people, if you like they do enjoy playing one game consistently, you know, like Tyrants of Tyrants of the Underdark. Like some people love playing that game like all the time, you know, every mm -hmm. time you go over and play. And if I was that type of player, it wouldn't be as much fun. But since I'm always liking the new stuff, like it's no problem for me. I'm always up for learning new things. <laughs> right, right. So how approximately, how big is your collection now? Wow. Um, that is a tough question. <laughs> Can I just do it by Calyx shelves? I mean... <laughs> That'll give us a good good approximation. Right, I'm like X amount of calyx shelves big. Okay, so we have two of the giant calyx bookshelf things. Those are full with stuff on top, and I have um, just my Steve Jackson designated closet full of just Steve Jackson games that I can't keep with my other calyx games because like I don't play them that often. It's just for you know making videos and stuff, um, and that's good because we just got rid of some like we used to have like <laughs> piles of them in certain places around the house and i was like these ones we should probably sell like we, at least we got rid of some of them lately um i'm gonna try to keep it down to the two calyx shelves i know quite a few people that are trying to maintain like okay it has to be better than these games on these shelves in order to get on my bookshelf. It has to like earn its spot on your bookshelf, right. you know? Right. And so I'm thinking of probably adopting some of that because it does get kind of out of control. And I'm like, I love all the new games, you know? Like I want all, all of the new games. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it very hard to have a tiny house. Well, so do you suffer from FOMO then as, as all these things are coming out, especially being like, you know, within the industry then, right? Like you're getting to see stuff maybe even before we get to see things coming out. You're like, oh, damn, that's coming out too. You know, we got to, you know, we at least got to get a play of it. And see. Yeah. Yeah. Since, I mean, I specifically do Kickstarter stuff. So I'm like on the FOMO train, like 24 <laughs> seven. That's yeah. where I live at is on the FOMO train. Okay. <laughs> There's always like, I mean, this month was tough for Kickstarters. We had so many great ones. And it was like every show, I was like, no, no, no. This is the one I'm most excited about this month. And then next month or next show, I'm like, no, no, no. I think this one is the next one. I'm like, this one I'm so excited about this month. And it just keeps going and going, uh, <laughs> which is tough for my collection. <laughs> Stuff for your wallet. <laughs> and tough for my wallet as well. Yeah, we end up backing one or two Kickstarters every week. So Oof. it gets it gets to be a lot. Yeah, but I mean, during the holidays, it slows down, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we get our break. <laughs> 
Is that what you tell people? Like, you know, like holiday time, like, hey, just just get us games. Just just get us gift yes. cards for the game store. <laughs> yes, I am sure that people are super bored of just getting us games because, you know, we put them on our Amazon list. I'm like, oh, I really miss this one. I'm like, Dragon Castle, you know, it's a really great game, but I just haven't got around to purchasing it for myself. That just goes on the list. And hopefully one day, hopefully one day I'll get that game. <laughs> it's just full of games, all of it. But, you know... We share a lot of games with and a lot of good times with people, so that's always good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely cool, and, and that, that's that's the, like that's the cool part about like the you know the games are cool and the components are cool, and, like you know you can really kind of delve into theme and mechanics and like how this is all put together. But then like it's the it's about getting together with people and just like hanging out and having a beer and you know just sharing in a good time, which you know makes almost any game. Yeah, I mean, there's so bad games, but <laughs> any game enjoyable because it's not really the you know the game is not the centerpiece really you know. Well, absolutely, and it makes it so. I think, you know, because I started with video games and stuff, and coming over to board games and everything. I think that's the one thing that I can say. I hang out more with people now than I did then. You know, video games is like such a closed off thing. You're like, I'm in a room alone. Like even me and my partner, like we would sit at separate, you know, <laughs> stations whenever we're video doing video. We don't even look at each other, you know, when we're playing. <laughs> and with board games, you're all sitting around at a table and you're talking to each other. And like you said, you're having a beer or a drink and there's so much more there. There's so much more interaction and you become, I feel like you become closer with people that way, you know, because you get like a little experience with them where you get to learn more about them and how they act with things, you know, and that just brings people closer. And I love that so much about board games. That's the best part, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. Do, do you still do video games at all or no? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes, I do <laughs> video games. Um, right now I'm looking at, you know, I do a lot of app-based board games and stuff and I do uh, board games that also go, go over to video games like Blood Bowl and stuff like that. And I wanted to play Scythe. I've been doing Scythe and Ogre and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm like a hardcore, like, video gamer as well. You know, we have our PS4. We have our Nintendo Switch in the house. Like, I have old NES consoles that I still play and stuff. Like, I'm totally, that's when I started, like, retro games and stuff. So, um Fitting time in to do both has been really hard, especially with the uptick of everything that's been going on in the board game industry. But I still try to fit time in. I played uh, Zelda, the Zelda Breath of the Wild. I finally, finally had time to play that like last month. And I just cruised through that thing. It was like, all right, I'm just going to spend this month every Sunday <laughs> and just play like all day long. Okay. That's all, all right. I'm going to do on Sunday. And I got it knocked out and then that made me happy. So <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. But there's definitely ones that we end up playing that we, we certainly hit for that. And actually I'm thinking of uh, doing more streaming with board game based apps because I feel like it's a lot of fun. You know, I, you and me could get together and we could hang out online and play apps together and talk over, you know, Google Hangouts or Discord and everybody could kind of participate in that. And I think that's a lot of fun as well. Yeah, no, it's definitely cool. And you have stuff like uh, Tabletopia, I guess. I, I don't know right. if it has like a, a thing, but like, like you say, you could jump in Zoom or Discord or something and, and use the audio for that and talk trash. and Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Tabletopia is a big one. I like how game companies are starting to utilize that 
where you can play their games ahead of time before they even come out to the market. And you're like, oh, I kind of like this game. You know, there's a couple games on there that I played that I was like, eh, you know, I would have been on the fence about this game if I hadn't have played it on here. And then when I did play it, I was like, wow, this has some really great mechanics on it, you know? You don't get to interact the same with people in the pieces, which is why you always want the board game, but at least you get a good sampling of the game, and that's awesome. That's nothing that we really had before. You had to go to a convention, you know? Right. Yeah, that's like, that's my thing. I'm particular about stuff. Like, I, I'll, I'll play anything, right? You bring something over, sure, let's let's give right. it a shot. I don't care, I'll, I'll do it. But like for my own collection, you know, I'll, I, I just, I'll just sit and do, it's like college level research. I'm like, all right, I got to watch these videos I'll queue up a bunch of stuff, <laughs> see if I can find the, the, you know, go to the forums on BGG and I'll read through reviews, you know, watch Tom and, and, you know, see what his thoughts are and stuff. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Like some stuff, like you, you guys did Terrors of London the other day. Yes. I was on the fence about the Kickstarter. I'm like, the art is beautiful. It looks really cool. You know, I have eminent domain, you know, we just picked up Dominion. So like, you know, I'm into the deck builder thing kind of a little bit. And I'm like, I just don't like, I can't pull the trigger on this. Like, I don't like, it's not grabbing me the way, like, I'll look at some things like Blue Lagoon came out and I'm like, boom, yes. I got to get Blue Lagoon. I love, so good. you know, <laughs> uh, Samurai and, and Through the Desert. And like, you know, all that stuff that he does that area control, like really does it for me. Cause it's very, you know, it gets to be very sort of take that with the other players. Like, right. Blue Lagoon, in like gonna get it <laughs> and then other stuff i'm just like man i don't know kind of like i find this at the store to like take it out of the box and like play like arboretum I'm like it looks beautiful uh, it, you yeah. know it looks like it's fun and then I'm, I'm watching the videos and i'm like i don't i don't know maybe maybe i don't know yeah and that's like getting your hands on that game makes such a difference, you know, and being able to play it ahead of time. And I'm so happy that we have reviewers now and people that are doing playthroughs and stuff, because when you spend 60 or $120, like who knows on a game, mm -hmm. like you want it to be a good game. You want to enjoy it. There's nothing worse than getting a game and being like, yes, I finally got this game. So much hype, so much FOMO. And you play it and you're like, I can't believe I got this game. Like, what am I going to do with it now? And this was like a $60 game, like, dang. And it's hard because, for example, photosynthesis, like, that game was so hot. I loved the idea of it. The mechanics sound wonder sounded wonderful. I played it, and I hated that game so yeah. much. Yeah. And that was, like, just maybe me. Like, and there's no way anybody could predict that, you know? So being able to go online and sample all these things, you need to if you're spending 60 bucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, that, totally that's get me. that. Yep. So Sean Epperson uh, suggested Citrus for me because we I think we were on uh, MFG cast and he was on, you know, Aaron Kurt and everybody. And um, he was like, I've got a suggestion for you. And I'm like, all right. Six months later, I'm I'm looking online and I'm like, all right, I can get it for you know forty bucks or something. Right. All excited, we played through it. We played it wrong. That's totally <laughs> on me. And I'm like, wow, I don't like I don't love it. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, we'll we'll play it again. And you know, I read through the rules and I'm like, oh, that was wrong. And then we played it again. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. And then we played it a third time. And I'm like, I love this game. Does anybody want to play? <laughs> That's super satisfying. You're like, I got to share this with all my friends now. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, it's crazy. I, you know, like, you know, we have Bookman's here in Arizona 
um, which is a used bookstore, a big, huge, like chain of used bookstores. Yes. Uh, uninitiated. Um, and the one over on, um, on Wilmont and Broadway, I guess, or Wilmont Speedway, I guess, they've got a really great selection, or at oh. least they did the other day of games. Okay. They had some tasty neutral stuff. I picked up Dominion there for like 20 bucks. They had um, Roll for the Galaxy for like $7. Really? Okay. Uh, they had stuff in shrink wrap, they had like yeah. Bomb Squad, like all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, wow, this wasn't here before. And I'm like, I got an armful of stuff. And I'm like, I can't like, I can't justify walking out with all these games. I'm going to put this one back. I'm going to put this one back. And I'm like, yeah, that was really cool. I was, I was shocked. Yeah. In Arizona, the Booksman's has really like upped their game with, well, with board games. They've upped their game with board games. Uh, the one near our house, they just, they, I went there the other day and I got like vast, for like 30 bucks i got uh there was a queen's game there that i got for 15 dollars. like it's it's nice to be able to get those like little buys here and there and the resales and you're actually i'm seeing a lot of i mean i everybody probably doesn't know this but arizona phoenix particularly has such a rich gamer like hemisphere there's tons of board gamers here there's tons of rpg players here and to see that reflected in everything going around because we have snakes and lattes here there's a board game cafe meeples something that just opened up near my house i know we have a what is it gaming goat that is coming to the valley and seeing like all of that flourish and come up it's kind of interesting seeing all that come into like fruitation and i'm kind of happy living in the valley now i'm like wow like come to come to phoenix board game people <laughs> like, come let us be a mecca of board games now we need a giant board game convention which hopefully arizona game fair will bring that up here <laughs> yeah, yeah. well you know we're i mean we're lucky in that and same thing for tucson i think tucson has like five or six different game stores for you know uh tucson games and gadgets i guess has two, right, two locations right. but you know so we have a ton of options down here as well and then arizona as a whole i mean We've got what, like eight conventions, and they're they're yeah. smaller, right? Probably under a thousand, you know, fifteen hundred. But you know what? I love that so much more than like I know you're going to Gen Con, and it's <laughs> so many people, and like it is a ton of people. Yeah, the little conventions are really nice because you do get it's not rushing around and oh, I need to play this great hot thing. I need to do this. I need to do that. No, when you go to a small convention, you get to enjoy yourself and you get to hang out. And you get to talk to people and you get to play games. All those games that you wanted to play that you get back to and stuff, you can do those things, you know? Yep. And I think a lot like the Dice Tower conventions and stuff like that are a lot more of that where you're just like a group of people hanging out and it's less necessarily about the newest and greatest thing that's there, but more about that, hanging out with people and just, you know, relaxing and sitting back. And I really enjoy that about all of the different, uh, what is it, conventions that we have in Phoenix because, man, yeah, we have we have so many, you know. Yeah. Uh, RinCon is down in Tucson, and uh, we have Arizona Game Fair, and we have Crit Hit, and we have MaricopaCon, and we have the uh, Games Expo that comes to Phoenix. And, I mean... I know there's like some I'm definitely missing, like in their macro con. And I mean, some of the game stores are holding their own conventions, like Aphoria Games here and stuff. And 
that's awesome because not everybody has that at their disposal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. We're definitely lucky out here. That's super lucky. Super. Yeah. I tell people about that and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. You could just find gamers anywhere. And I was like, kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I mean, it's good for RPGs too. Like, like we, like all of my RPG gaming at this point is, is, like you say, is work. It's it's all for the podcast. We, yes. you know, we play all the games for the show. Um, so, and and with Tabletopia, you can kind of do that with with board games as well. So, you know, even if you are in a remote location somewhere, uh, you you do have some of these online, and it's not quite the same. I mean, it's not the same as like, you know, being at the table. But man, it's a really good approximation. They're doing a really great job with that stuff online, and I mean, for the role players when critical role blew up that's like their second coming here they're like oh my gosh like everybody's doing these recorded sessions of rpgs and that's so much fun to see because there's some really great ones out there and rpgs like i love rpgs so much <laughs> there was a time when that's all i played was rpgs that was after my video game wow thing <laughs> right into rpgs um and that's like this huge awesome experimentation like where you get to experiment with people and how people feel about things and creating these characters and personas and how they would feel about things and it's such it's like a social experiment like an amazing fun social experiment and i always tell little kids i'm like you need to teach your little kids how to play rpgs because that is the best way for them to learn all sorts of stuff because that is a safe environment where they get to test whatever the heck they want to test and then see different repercussions on how things work and how different societies work and how going you know and visiting elves as an orc you they might not like that too much you know mm -hmm. and it gives everybody like a really interesting and unique perspective on things so i mean gosh i wish i could do more stuff with rpgs i mean I'm a serial RPG buyer as well. So, like, <laughs> I just I ended up getting uh, Overlight and Cobalt Ate My Baby this last few months. Uh, because, I mean, Cobalt Ate My Baby is like one of my favorite RPGs. Like, it's so much fun to play. I don't know if you've right. ever played that one, have you? I've heard of it. I haven't played it. Yeah, you're. Your little kobolds who are those little level one monsters that you know people use to level up and you're all about eating babies and just you know the weird stuff happens to you when you're a level one <laughs> character for the entire campaign you know <laughs> it's a little uh like beer and pretzel sort of game you know you roll a character you play it in one night and then your character ends up dying in some ridiculous thing like a cow tipped over and fell on you and you died or something right. you know <laughs> so it's it's a lot of fun <laughs> Have you gotten to to play in any campaigns since, you know, things have gotten crazy? Like, do you still try to, like, you know, fit in that occasional one-off sort of campaign? Or is it kind of yeah. like, I can't invest, you well, know, like... what we end up doing is we do one-off campaigns specifically. I have a certain group of people that I have where not everybody has a ton of time. So each player will do one one-off campaign. And it's like, then you rotate GMs through the group and you're always playing something new. You're playing whatever they decided to put together, whether it's a GURPS game or if it's like a D20 game, or if it's just like a crazy free wild one, like wield or something like that with completely different rules that you're introducing to people and stuff. And 
that's really cool because it gives you the ability to try all these different things, you know, that you might not have tried before and have just different short little scenarios, you know, and it'll, you'll carve out like, okay, every other month we'll do like one Sunday and then everybody, somebody different does one each Sunday. And it's not like a burden to anybody. That's the only way I can play RPGs right now, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm happy to have that ability to do that, you know, because it's, it's so much fun. I lo- love RPGs so much. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. It, it's, a, it's you know, a, a, you know, you get to, to play, you know, pull out a small piece of yourself and all these different characters and, you know, play them in all these different worlds and all these different scenarios. And, and like you were saying, with the kids sort of explore and, and kind of see how you feel about certain things. And like, ah, I, I, I've been doing it. Jeez, ah, I started in the 90s with second ed, took a big break, came back with fourth. And since fourth, I've been on, I was on two other podcasts before this, before I started my own. And, you know, just, we've been playing for years and years now. It's just oh, this is so much fun. <laughs> it is. I mean, there's nothing quite like being able to just use your imagination to play something like that. There's, I mean, it's, it's imagination games for grownups is what it is, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, for and that's sure. not a bad thing. Everybody needs a little bit more imagination in their life. <laughs> yeah, especially considering the climate, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right. So going to back to board games, you have a preferred style? Yes. Okay. So I don't like board games with chance in them. So I hate mm-hmm. dice games usually. Okay, <laughs> like if it's fair. a dice game. I'm super skeptical. I'm like, Ooh, am I even going to want to play this game? I don't know. Uh, I really like strategic games. I love area control games. Like I love games where it's going to take two plus hours to play. Maybe like those are the types of games I love playing. Those are not what all my friends love playing, (laughs) (laughs) but I want my three to four hour battle where I plan out this strategic campaign based thing and then I go in there and I attack, you know, like I, I want the Twilight Imperium games all the time, but that's not what always ends up happening. So for my birthday, <laughs> yearly, <laughs> I force everybody to play a really long game with me. <laughs> and that's what we end up doing. But I really love the fact that there's some companies that are taking these really unique and strategic ideas and putting them in really small games. I've had played Hats the other day by Thundergriff Games. And everybody at the table was like a long-term board gamer and wrapping your head around everything that was happening in that game. It was such a simple game to teach and it's going to be a really hard game to master. And I love those types of games because that just makes me super excited to figure out the puzzle long-term on that, you know, and then the puzzle gets more complex with the more players you add to that. And that's, that's just what I love. I love making those puzzles come together in games. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I like that that more heavy strategy. I don't care for a lot of like random luck generation no. stuff. I mean, it, I guess it depends on the game. It depends on the theme and like, you know, if it works with the way, you know, things are like I, I uh, back Crusaders uh, by Tasty Menstrual and it's, you know, it, it's it's pretty simple, right? I mean, it's a rondelle. You, you do your thing, right. you move your tokens, you choose your action. Right. Simple. But the the depths of strategy and like how you make all those things work, and you have different uh, different night casts that you can choose from. So like if you play something different in the next game, that's going to play differently. So like you have to go back and like 
ah, crap, this isn't going to work the way I did it before. Maybe I need to change my rondelle. Maybe I need to, yeah, I, I, I like, I just want to outthink and outstrategize yes. whoever I'm playing against. <laughs> Absolutely. I love those, those actions where the actions are simple, but the long-term effects of them are complex and strategic. And that's what I love. Like that's 100% win for me in a game, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now what, what's your top five or what's your current top five? Oh my goodness. That's a tough question. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, okay, Scythe is probably one of my all-time favorites just because there's so much that you can do with that game. And they've come out with a lot of really cool stuff with that that adds to that game as well. And it's area control. And it's not necessarily great to be aggressive in that game. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but it changes. And I really enjoy that. And that's a little bit easier to get to the table than some other bigger games. I think that's a good light heavyweight game, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the beginning steps of a super heavyweight game. Right. Uh, I like uh, Dead of Winter a lot. <laughs> and that one I really like because you never know. It creates this effect where you never know if there's like the betrayer there, you know. And I love that uncertainty of still second guessing everybody at the table. And I feel like that adds to that theme a whole lot. Right. Um, gosh. What else? I like Railroad Inc. a lot too. <laughs> That's probably my one of my lighter games that I play. Railroad Inc. is it's so strategic for what it is. Like putting those pieces together and engineering everything and trying to make it all fit around in that in that puzzle, you know? It's so much fun to play. Um, gosh, what are two? I'm trying to think of two others right off the top of my head. I have some newer games that I'm excited about. <laughs> <laughs> we had, I played King's Dilemma. And this is kind of interesting because this is actually pretty broad. I have like Scythe and then Railroad Inc. They're kind of different games and everything. Uh, King's Dilemma is a game about choices. And that particular game it's like a story driven based game and you're trying to vote for these choices and you're trying to vote how would be best for you and like how to win the most points for your character and stuff. But also trying to have like this card that you're trying to get your voting in, but then you also have to like convince other people at the table and try to use a bidding system to try to outbid them. And it becomes such like a complex social style game that it has great storytelling and you can start seeing like, Oh, well, that's, I love RPGs. Like, obviously, I'm going to love this sort of, you know, choose your own adventure style social game and everything as well uh, that comes into that, into that. Gosh, what other game? I don't know about a fifth game. <laughs> that's all for now. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. I think there's always stuff coming in and out of there, you know, but I think uh, those definitely those top three are probably ones that have just been really long lasting for me. You know, I've always come back to those games and I'm like, I just want to find players to play these games with me, you know? Right. Right. Now, because of schedules and things like that, do you get to play games over again? Cause I know the bigger, the collection, like when I first started collecting, they were like, Oh yeah. I haven't, you know, we played that game like last year. And I'm like, yes. what the hell are you talking about? But you know, you have 700 games on your shelf. Right. I can see that. There's only so many 
you know, so much time in a week and, and whatever. Yeah, Dr. Glory Hog is actually, he's tracking them this year and he's like, I'm going to see which ones we didn't play and we're going to, we're going to pay for this. And like, you know, we're going to bring these games up and everything that we haven't played. And I'm like, uh oh, now this is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that for me and my spouse, we always make sure that when it's our birthdays that we play that one game in our collection or two games, maybe three, it's a day's worth of games <laughs> that we've been wanting to play all year and just haven't had the time to play like our classics, our favorites, you know? And I think being able to do that really helps out <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it allows me to play my absolute favorites at least that one time a year where I get to go through them a couple times and then it allows him to do that as well. So that's always a lot of fun. Those are great birthdays. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely cool. I have to institute that here at the house. <laughs> Absolutely. You're like, I'm going to force all my friends to play these games, whether they want to or not, because it's my birthday and I can do whatever I want. So exactly. <laughs> I have a few games like that. Um, so like at Rincon or like Arizona Game Fair or whatever, I'll bring games like um, like Samurai. Yes. Or not not so much uh, Shogun because it's, you know, it's minimum three. It's two to three hours, yeah. three and a half hours with setup. So like, we can't do that at work. You know, we don't have enough people generally at home. Cause I, I do a lot of two player stuff. Yeah. So I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm going to teach this at Rincon again this year. Just so just I can, so people play. can play with you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's another good way to get people to play with you as well. You go to a convention, you're like, I'm just going to demo my favorite game and everybody's forced to play with me when I play this. <laughs> yep, exactly. I always put one less in the player count. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a good way of doing that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I got played Mexico, I think last year or in con and I went out, I picked it right up. And I think we've played it once since. And I'm like, oh, my oh, God, no. I want to play this game so bad. Right, right. It is a little bit harder getting those bigger, like bigger games to the table or games with a lot of pieces and stuff or a lot of setup. And that always makes me so sad. But, you know, they're doing a lot of cool stuff in the industry to help with that. Like, you know, the broken token, the game trays and stuff and that stuff. Like, oh, my God. I, I love game trays and stuff. Yeah, for sure. It makes setup such a breeze with stuff. We got Euphoria and with the new game trays in it. And that took a game where you're like, oh, okay, dump out all these bags, dump out these bags, dump out those bags. Now we got these to boop, open it up, set it out, boom, we're set up. Like, and that makes those bigger games like that come to the table so much more often. Like I hope more companies adopt game trays and stuff like that in their games already there. So you just have it and you bring it out because there's nothing worse than having a really great game on your shelf. And then you never see it because like setup is going to take you like half an hour to get everything set up, you know, mm, Arkham horror. <laughs> oh, I know. Right. That makes me so sad. <laughs> Besides it's going to take like six or seven hours to play <laughs> on top of the setup. And you're like, you like pre set up before anybody comes over. You're like, all right, everybody's stuff is done. Did you all read the rules online and watch the videos? Okay. Everybody's prepped. Now we're going to go through the rules, you know, like mm -hmm. you almost have to prep for it in, you know, in advance for those sort of games, but they're amazing games and you want to play them, but they don't get to the table as often because of that, which is very sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I, I don't have anything like super big, like Risk Europe and 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 you know Shogun and there's you know a couple of bigger games, but like the the medium weight stuff like Porta Nigra and Through the Desert and all that sort of stuff. You know, I always pre separate like starting stuff. So like we get this much money, yes. you have these tokens, this, get all that Ziploc bag stuff together. Same thing for like citrus and things like that. That way when we, you know, when we do sit down, it cuts that time down, like you said, by, by so much. Cause like, you know, we do a lot of gaming at work. You know, we jam all of our breaks together. We sit for about an hour. So between setup, cleanup and game time, we've got, an hour right so, exactly you know. like you want to maximize that game time you don't want to be worried about setting up i yep. actually just got uh, my kickstarter ragusa in and when i opened that box i like opened it up and i'm like okay you know take out the rules take out the instructions and i was like <gasps> they had boxes with all the player pieces already pre-bagged and put in there so you wow. just pick up the box and you give it to the player and then like one final little box with all your stuff already separated. I was like, oh my God, That's you just great. capstone, you just broke me right here. Like, this is what I want from every game company ever now. It's just like, open up the box. There's nothing to punch. You just, you're ready to play. Here's your player stuff. Like, all right, let's set up. Like, it was amazing. Like that's that's what I want. It's, there's nothing worse than getting a game. You open it up and like all the bits are just kind of like thrown around in there, and you got to like punch out a million things. You're like, oh my gosh, this is gonna take forever. <laughs> there is some satisfaction in punching out a lot of cardboard. You, know? <laughs> you love punching out the cardboard. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get to handle everything. You sort of go through it and look at all the the tokens. I mean. You know, if you're punching out 40, you know, one value coins, like it's all the same, but, you know. <laughs> That's always nice, but but I do have a cardboard allergy. So, like, really? it's not always good for me to punch out all this stuff. Yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> it really does. People are always like, oh, my God, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. Like, sometimes, you know, if I punch out too many things, like, my hands will start getting itchy and stuff and, like, all sorts of stuff. So, that's going to be super sad. In the future, you're going to see me going to a board game night and being like, hold on. Let me get my gloves on. <laughs> all right. Now we can touch the board games. Hold on. Right. <laughs> you know, nice, nice pair of like, you know, silk gloves or something like right, that. Right. Exactly. I'll have the tweezers, the big tweezer tongs. I'd be yeah. like, yes. Okay. Now we're moving our stuff with it. Uh huh. <laughs> Those are amazing. I see uh, Meeple Lady always has yes. uh, pictures of giant <laughs> tweezers. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to hold your giant tweezers one time. Okay, Meeple Lady. I'm like, I just want to, <laughs> they're so intimidating. Like, <laughs> it's, it's got to make things easier though, right? Because especially with a game with a lot of cubes and a lot of like bits and bobs, yes. like you're always knocking stuff over. Well, and plus, you know, if you're a shorter person like me and Meeple Lady are, like reaching across the table sometimes is hard to do, especially when you're at a convention, you're at those round tables. I'm like, forget it. I'm not even reaching the middle of the table. Like, that's just not happening. Like, you're going to have to move stuff over there for me, you know? Yeah. But having those tweezers, you can come in there like a boss and be like, no, no, no. I got that. <laughs> you know, it would be better, the, the little dinosaur trigger head thing. You could just grab them like that. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm using that. I'm going to bring that to my next game night. I'll be like, hold on, let me get my meeples. And you're in there like, they're just chomping them up. No, you got to make the noise like, rawr, rawr, rawr. Oh my God, I love that. I'm, I'm so doing that. That's my next game night right there. Nice. Uh, so I see at Rincon, I see like a pair of you whip them out like swords. 
That would be freaking awesome. Let me, and then you'd just be moving other people's pieces. Hold on. No, no, no. Let me move them for you. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. I'm going to do that. <laughs> that's funny. So how long have you been with, uh, with Steve Jackson now? Gosh, it's been a long time. So I want to say maybe it was 2012. I started demoing Steve Jackson games in the Valley and that was like, I had a baby in 2010 and in 2012, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do something for myself because like a baby all the time is like driving me crazy. Like yeah. I need to be like something other than a mommy. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go around the Valley and I'm going to demo games for people. Cause Steve Jackson games has always had like a special place for me because that was like Munchkin was the very first game that I played where I realized there were other games out there besides Monopoly. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me right now? And there, I can play all these other games right now. Are you kidding? And that has always had a special place in my heart. So when I found out that there was a demo team in, in, in the Valley that I could go ahead and sign up for and go around the Valley and hang out with gamers and show people games, that's kind of where I got started with that. And just through demoing games with them and stuff like that, it kind of just blossomed into like uh, doing more and more stuff with them. And then last year, I think it was, I started going to big conventions with them and I was like, Hey, I can just, you know, I can do more. And they loved the way that I demoed games for people and stuff because I have a very energetic demo whenever I demo games for people. It's not just like, all right. And then you put your piece over here. No, I'm very animated and, uh, comedic and stuff like that. Cause it's a funny game. If you're playing Munchkin, like you're there to have fun and laugh about stuff, you know? Mm. And that, gosh, it's been a while. And then that kind of went into the live work for them and stuff and doing stuff on their channel and everything. And it's probably something I'm pretty much always going to end up doing because, you know, they've always been, they're a super wonderful company and they've always been super nice to me and everything. And just like I said, special, super special place in my heart. <laughs> There's so much there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's definitely cool. So, you know, with, with like, you know, sort of industry status and all this, does, does that change like your expectations in, in regards to games? Does it, does it color your perspective in a certain way that like, you know, most, you know, like quote unquote regular board gamers don't, you know, wouldn't perceive it in, in that such, you know. Um, I think that for a lot of people it does because th there's a change that happens whenever you go from playing games as like a consumer versus playing games as a job and stuff like that. You get a very, very like critical eye of everything. And I have to say, I hate seeing that in people, you know, I'm like, <laughs> gosh, like, because board games is still like, or just gaming in general is still my love. And I see so much happiness and excitement from it and everything. And then on the opposite side, you have people like Suzanne in the community who's been in the board game industry for a while now. And you can see that she is super excited about games all the time. And those are the type of people in the industry I want to hang out with because I'm always super excited about games all the time as well. You know, like, I don't think that's really going to diminish for me because I feel like even if I come across a game that I don't particularly like, I know that there's somebody out there 
that is going to absolutely love that game. There are people that are diehard King of Tokyo fans. I hate that game so much because it's dice rolling and it's just a lot of it. And I don't want to play that game. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it's a terrible game. That just means that that game is not for me. That game is an excellent gateway game. That game is a game for people that love that Ameritrash sort of idea of being a monster and running in there and like fighting people and, you know, kicking people out of the city and everything. And I think if you think of your reviews and everything you're doing and getting into the industry with that in mind, hopefully you won't lose that excitement for games in general, because even though I might sit down and demo a game and go, oh, okay, it was okay. Coming away from that, I'm going to be like, hey, this game had really great components. It had this, it had that. And this is for this sort of person. Right. It's my opinion in that point doesn't actually matter because it's about the opinions of the people that love that game, you know? Right. So hopefully I won't lose any of that. I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> I, I don't want to get jaded because I do love games a lot. I don't want to be super sad playing games ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst. <laughs> Well, and then, you know, you, you have a responsibility to sort of keep that in mind of like, you know, to, to not be like, hey, this game sucks. Like right. that's a review. Like I hate it. It's stupid. You know, th nobody should play this because not every game, like you said, not every game is for every person. And there are games for everybody. And, well, and sometimes it crosses over. Right. So like you've got um, the railroad game and Twilight Imperium, which are two like. Hugely different, completely different things. Right, absolutely, and that's why I personally love having when I do like a review or something, or when I'm talking about a game, lots of different people with me. You know, I've done reviews with my kid, I've done reviews with non-gamers, I've done reviews where I highlight Ameritrashers or certain people. You know, if I was playing a war game, I'd probably bring Meeple Lady in on that review because I feel like it's super important to get the perspective of not only the gamer that's going to love that game, but then also other gamers who might not like that game. So you get a big perspective of who that game is for, you know? Right. I played Between Two Cities with my kid and my mother, who is a non-gamer, because I, poor mom, I introduce her to like everything. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're going to play this game with me, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then she gives her opinion because she's so not, you know, like a gamer at heart. And getting the perspective of having my kid go, eh, that was boring, or oh my God, I loved playing with this, or, you know, my mom who's like, okay, well, this was easy for me to learn, or like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Can we please stop? Right, right. <laughs> That's super important information because as a board gamer, you want your you want to introduce something to somebody and for everybody to love it. You know, I introduced Railroad Inc. to a bunch of people. And I was like, this is amazing. I love this game so much. Everybody's going to love this. Everybody's going to want to play it. Everybody did not love that game. <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole lot of people I introduced that game to that was like, nope, I'm never playing this again. And I was like, all right, well, not for you. It's not for you. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just because I like it doesn't mean that you have to like it. And as long as you keep that in mind, like it's game, the games are for everybody, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That was Sagrada for me. I, I yeah. started that one too. I'm like, oh, that looks beautiful. The dice are cool. And the, you know, the art in the windows is really nice and everything. So pretty. And I, I, you know, it was like kind of towards the beginning of the podcast where, you know, really kind of getting into board games more and I didn't get it. And a guy at work, you know, was, it was gifted to him for his birthday or something. So he brought it to work and we played it. I'm like, ah, I, I don't think like, can I borrow this this weekend? Cause like, 
I, I don't know, you know. So I played with the kids. I played with my brother. And it's like, I don't, it's like a solo game that you're playing with three other people. Like I yeah. just didn't do it for me, you know. There's a little funny. bit of take that, but, you know, it's like, if I don't need that green one, I'm just not going to take it. Even if it's the only one where like, you know, if you're doing citrus or through the desert or something else, you're like, nope, I'm going to take that spot. Even if I don't need it now, <laughs> screw you, I'm taking it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we have this, a lot of the same style taste in games. Yeah, because that's exactly how I felt with that game as well. I was like, yeah, I'm like, this is beautiful. There's all these wonderful things about it. I'm like, this isn't for me. This game is just not for me. Like, and sometimes that's how it goes. But that's not doesn't mean I'm going to not tell other people they shouldn't buy it. Like, this game is the worst. No, it's right. it's not right. the worst. And not at all. You know, there's just, it's for a different set of people, just not me. <laughs> yeah. and, and I would play it. I mean, if someone brought it over right. to like game night where we say, hey, I really want to play this. I'm like, all right, whatever. I, don't... I play it with them. Yeah. And I'd be like, cool. Now let's play. Now let's play the game I want to play. <laughs> now yeah. you owe me. <laughs> you're just counting time until it's over you don't care if you win that one right exactly get one. <laughs> oh man that's funny it's like sharing is caring guys right. <laughs> so what you know when you're doing all your conventions and stuff do you is it generally like I, i'm assuming probably the bigger conventions are more like working conventions for you and the smaller stuff like what we have around here is uh, you know, with AZ Game Fair and stuff are more, um, uh, you know, more for fun. Uh, is there like like a hard divide for you when you go, whether or not like you're going for pleasure or going for, you know, can you sort of mix that up at the same time? If you're demoing for a good part of the weekend, do you still get to get out and kind of like play some stuff for fun and sort of hang out and, you know, just well, kind of kick back? There's usually, I usually designate one or two conventions a year that, are like the conventions that I go to and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to work this convention. Like I'm here to hang out with friends, take pictures and stuff. Maybe I'll take a video just to kind of like be like, Hey, we're here and stuff like that. But like, I'm not here working with anybody. And I try to reserve at least two conventions a year for me to do that. Otherwise, like then I'm just working everything. And that's not as much fun, especially for like the bigger conventions like Origins and Gen Con and stuff like that. Or we just did the Come On Expo and stuff. I worked all of that. And you have a completely different schedule when you're doing that. You know, you're waking up early, you are doing all this work and then maybe rushing around, hopefully in your spare time to get your other stuff done or, you know, stuff that you want to see. And it's, a, it's like working two or three jobs at the same time, you know, like it's crazy. And I would prefer doing lots more of just, you know, free going to whatever conventions. That would be nice. But that's right. not always the case. I can't always do that. I got to work a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I'm doing less demos now, though, which is nicer because, guys, if you guys don't know out there, those people who are doing demos are the hardest flipping workers ever, ever, especially at a large convention. Those people lose their voices on the way home. Like... It is nonstop on their feet. Give them a break. Give them like kind words and thank them for their demos because they are working so hard to make your guys' day wonderful. Like I'm happy I'm not doing demos anymore. I love talking to people. <laughs> I don't mind doing them here and there because I love, I love, you know, showing people games. But doing like that eight hours of demoing time is rough super rough like oh my goodness <laughs> i'm happier to be doing media work now that's to say the least <laughs> especially if it's the same game for eight hours 
Yes, it's just like this constant rotation. I think that's why like my stuff would get so animated because like I can't be bored doing it. So like I throw in all sorts of ridiculous stuff that I would say, you know? <laughs> I'm like, look at your cards. Okay, now panic because you have no idea what's happening, you know? <laughs> and so like building that into my demos was more to entertain me probably and see everybody's looks on their faces whenever they're doing stuff. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Then they walk away going, oh, my God, what just happened? Right? They're like, oh, my God, that was the weirdest demo ever. But I think I liked it. Like, <laughs> now, What's your overall convention experience been? Is it, you know, good experience for the most part? Um, you know, everything's not perfect, you know, obviously. But, like, overall, has, has your con experience been good? Yes, my con experience has been phenomenal. I'm always super tired, though, coming back from conventions. I feel like coming back, it's always dragging, you know, uh, especially if you've been demoing or I've lugged all of my equipment around across the U S and everything. Um, it's, it's because I still work a regular job. So I work a regular job and then I go work at a convention and work another job, which should be my vacation time, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I get back and stuff, I'm just wrecked, but I always, have an amazing time and i've reached the point where i've i've seen enough people enough times at large conventions that are always there usually covering stuff that like i have my convention friends and that is so much fun being able to connect with people across the united states at certain times of the year and hang out with those people and just like i went to a small convention in Georgia because I was up at the Come On Expo. And then I have a friend that I met through Origins and Gen Con. She's like, come down to my little tiny convention. I'm like, yay, that's going to be so much fun. And then seeing that culture there and everything. And that's something that I would never been able to do before, you know, and having the ability to make all those friends and stuff like that is so much fun. Like I, I always have an amazing time. Like I love it so much. I wouldn't be doing it if, it, if I didn't love it, you know, because it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that, that's the nice thing about the Arizona circuit is because I'll see, you know, all you guys from, from Phoenix yes. come down or if I go up to Phoenix, I'm like, hey, I remember you. I can't remember your name, but shit, how you been? <laughs> right? I know. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, oh, you need to borrow this here, borrow this and everything. Like, it's such an amazing thing. And then you're like, oh, we have like, I have like all these little convention friends that I go to these places and I see all the time and they're just amazing people, you know, cause we've done panels together and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's so much fun, you know, like to have those gamers that you can kind of connect with at different places. is awesome. And I want to come to RinCon this year. So hopefully I will be there. <laughs> it's one of my favorites in Arizona. Yeah. It, it's a really nice, it's, and it's nice for me cause it's closer to home. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a nice size. You know, you see the same people all weekend, um, you know, they, they have panels going and they have, you know, now they have, I guess last year they started the women's space. So they have gaming specifically set aside for women only. And, you know, I, I guess some people probably get pissed off by that. I, I mean, I guess I get it. Like if they're doing Scythe and it's the only thing on the schedule for Scythe and you're like, well, shit, I want to play Scythe. Like I get that initial reaction, Yes, but it's, yeah. it's because of people like us. <laughs> that they want to put that in a room where they don't have to deal with people like us. Like, right, no. right. Well, and especially with a game like Scythe, because I actually did the Scythe demo in there, and it was such a unique experience going into that room and teaching only women a game because you come out with a completely different experience 
as opposed to having also having men in there because one, you can teach on a scale that is more relaxing for everybody. Nobody's nervous to ask any questions or anything or feel like somebody's going to think they're stupid at the table or anything like that. And there was so much maximization of stuff in that game. Like I've never had a higher point total for people in a scythe game ever in my life. Okay. It was crazy cutthroat in the most non-aggressive way possible in that game. And it was the most unique scythe game I had ever played. It was so crazy playing with only women in that. And I thought, wow, like that wasn't a really interesting and amazing experience to have because you see how people just operate a little differently because overall men and women, they just act and think a little bit differently because socially that's what you've been taught and how you've been taught to be, you know, women are taught to be a little bit quieter, a little bit less animated and stuff. So you have a lot of ruthless women players, guys, <laughs> who are real quiet and sneaky and then end up winning everything because you're like, oh crap, dude, they were playing this entire game. They just wrecked us, you know? Mm -hmm. And having that experience with everybody there and nobody afraid to ask any questions. And it, it was such a confident, very interesting feel to it. And I'm, I'm glad they introduced that. I know I've heard a lot of stuff as well about, oh man, why did they introduce this women thing? It, separates women from everybody and everything but when you're teaching a game people don't realize how intimidating that can be for women not because the game is intimidating but because of the fear of looking like well like you're stupid you know in that and like that sucks it really sucks i played a lot of tournaments in a tournament style game and like games you know i played magic the gathering i played x-wing tournament style stuff uh, there's like Shade Spire stuff and everything. There's Blood Bowl and everything. And if I'm going to a new store or a new place where people don't know me, that is immediately what they end up treating you like. They treat you like a kid, you know? And it's hard to tell people or to tell men that because a lot of times when you're a man, you're not treated like a kid anymore, you know? Like people don't come over and remove your stuff for you or like do things for you or take things out of your hand. I'm like, dude, like... I am, I don't know if you know, but I know a little bit about board games and stuff like that and more games. Like I've been playing a little bit and uh, not to, to be in a women's room where you know that's just not going to happen is just so interesting. The whole mood changes and plus they had cookies. So yeah, they had cookies. <laughs> Next time I'll go in and I'll steal you one. Okay. And I'll bring it out to you. <laughs> Well, that's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they did that. I hope they're going to continue doing that moving forward every year. Um, and, you know, I just I released the panel that you recorded on women in gaming at RinCon just yesterday. Oh, awesome. Uh, that was yeah. a great panel. <laughs> so, and, it, and, it, and it is, I mean, it highlights, like you think, oh, that doesn't happen, right? Like, you know, most, like normal people are like, I would like, I wouldn't do that. Like, how does that happen? Like, there's no way that happens, but it does happen. I mean, like you're proof that that happens. I mean, we've talked to them before on the show, like, yeah, this kind of sucked, but you know, it's like, I have to deal with this when I go. And I mean, it sucks, you know, I, I, it I, does. I don't know. Where it does. Yeah. Then there's like, you as a man have like the greatest power in the fact that you can stop that whenever it's happening. Like I was playing a game of wingspan. So we got 
an early release copy of that when it wasn't in circulation yet because, you know, we did a thing for it and everything. And then I went to Dice Tower West and they had a copy there. And I sat down at the table and there was a woman sitting across from me and it was me and Dr. Glory Hogg and James Hudson. So like everybody was pretty involved in the industry and except for the, the one young lady that was there with us and then the guy who was going to run it. The guy who was going to run it had to step away for a minute and I was like, hey man, I have the game at home. I can go ahead and teach it really quick. You know, me and Dr. Glory Hogg already know how to play. We're only teaching two people. It's cool. You know, like when you get back, we should be good. Taught the game. He came back and we're like ready to get right into it. And gosh, he came over and he started like moving everything I had put out. And he's like moving the girl like next to him, like her stuff and like taking things out of her hands and everything. And I was so happy because James Hudson stopped in the middle of everything. And he's like, dude, did you just do that? Like, mm -hmm. did you just take that out of her hand? Like she knows what she's doing. Like she, she just listened to the rules and everything. Like you need to calm down and it sucks, but you guys have the power. The men have the power. And for you guys to be able to say that and stop it, it completely changed everything after that. I was like, oh, okay. And then this girl got to play her turn out. And there were still like a little few little things here and there. But there's some people that have just been so socially programmed by that, that I'm sure that they don't even realize that they're doing it. You know, in most cases, that's just the, what they've always done, you know, and just to make people more aware of that. So like everybody has a super happy gaming time, you know, because leaving that, I was like, dang, well, if I hadn't have played Wingspan before, I might have been really angry <laughs> that all that had happened. Like, but, you know, I know it's a good game and that might have tainted me a little bit on that. Right, so, right. yeah, if, if you're a, a man and in that environment and everything, like call it out because that's very helpful for everybody involved and just creating a little bit of awareness. If I called it out, it would not be the same. <laughs> it would, just it would be, be like, you oh, complaining. Yeah, yeah right. right. Exactly. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, that's always super helpful when we have awesome people like that in the, in the industry that'll help us out with that, you know, cause the more of that, that happens, the more awareness gets created and then it happens less, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, do you, so do you see a lot of that? I mean, you know, you have this, uh, you know, in particular, but is, does that come up often as you're, as you're out and playing? That's a good question. Now, for the most part, I'm usually I was I was usually demoing games and stuff like that. So that wasn't always an issue, but I would get people who would challenge me on things. And I'm like, no, that's how it is. This is how it is. And people would try to like look up stuff and everything and be combative. And I would always be like, okay, cool. You know, like that's fine and everything. And, but I would end the demo. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, so thanks. Thanks for hanging out with us today and everything and playing. So, and that's how like I would get away from it. And I'd be like, yeah, you need to get out of here, dude. Like I'm not going to demo for you if you're just going to sit here and, and be a jerk to me the entire time, you know, but I do it in a very, I guess, sneaky way, you know, by ending the demo and just being like, all right, well, we only have time for that. Sorry. We got to get some <laughs> new people in here. <laughs> But I've seen it all to a lot of other people, not necessarily to myself. And I don't know if it's because like, I, I maybe I have a really angry face or maybe people might know me a little bit more now or whatever it is. It doesn't happen to me as often, but I have seen it happen to other people. And um, again, like you always got to say something. I try to say something if I can, I know. And I think the roughest part was with tournament play 
And I know in Magic the Gathering, that's one of the reasons why I stopped playing Magic the Gathering because there was so much sneakiness and stuff and people thinking that you didn't know what you were doing. And like, it just made me angry, you know? I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you try to underhand people or I don't know? That just made me upset. So I stopped playing that. And you do see it a lot more in um, war games and tournament style games, though, I do have to say, you know, there's plenty of times I'll be going up to tables and taking pictures of like Warhammer or something. I'll be like, oh, is this this game? And I don't I might not know a lot about it, you know, because I play specific miniature style games right. and they're like, <sighs> No, it's this one. I was like, oh, okay. Can I take pictures? And they're like, no, no. Okay, well, see ya, suckers. Like, I'll put a picture of something else and highlight it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess I won't be highlighting your stuff. Like, right. um, so hopefully, tournament style stuff, miniature stuff, war games will get it a little bit better. But yeah, with those ones, you almost need to be like known in those things. I think that's probably where I've had it the worst. In regular board games, they seem to be doing a pretty good job of making sure that people aren't jerks. <laughs> and I feel like it's a little bit more of an open space, right? I mean, you've, you've got more, you know, inclusion as far as like, um, you know, like, like character designs on cards, uh, miniatures, um, you know, themes and things like where it's not as I don't know. It just seems a little bit more open. Like, right. like it's taken yeah. into consideration on a higher level. They're doing such a great job in board games, highlighting and making sure that you have several female versus male characters, or maybe some characters that are undefined that you can't tell and having different races in there and stuff. And I applaud any game company doing that because there's nothing worse than going through and looking at a bunch of stuff and going, I don't want to play any of these characters because like, geez, I have like half naked girls to choose from or really annoying looking guys. Like, great. <laughs> like, I would at least like a little bit of something that I can get excited about being this character, like just a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're doing a much better job of that in the industry. And I'm super happy to see that. Right, right. Now, do you think in, in the other space in the wargaming and you know, tournament style, you think it's because it's it's a more aggressive style of play that kind of breeds that sort of mentality maybe. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of like elitism is what it is, you know, because even if you were a gamer that came in, maybe it was your first time there and you're just learning and stuff like that. You're probably going to get treated a little differently than somebody that's there, you know, a little bit more often and stuff. And they're just going to assume you don't know how to play or something, or maybe that they can roll you over a little bit easier if you're getting into like a little bit of a, like an aggressive group. So I think since you already have that like mentality there, that it gets like 10 times worse if you're also like a female or a kid or something. Because like my kid, I've been teaching my kid board games and miniatures and stuff like that since they were like two, like we started them at two years old. Like they're playing some games. My kid at six years old was playing blood bowl and miniature style games. Like they were, you know, they could pick up those concepts very easily. And when they go into any sort of tournament or like demo or anything, people are like, are they going to play with you? I'm like, no, they're not going to play with me. Like they're their own person. Of course they're not. They've never played with me as a being that, you know, or they just, they always assume it, it becomes that, you know, taking cards out of the hand, moving pieces for them. And it's like, stop, 
Yeah. Let them play the game, you know, and uh, it's interesting how that kind of parallels with the way a lot of women are treated also with those sort of things. It's very interesting. Like, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with all that, but it's an interesting (laughs) thing to think about. (laughs) Just take that home and mull it around for a while. (laughs) Well, like you said, just it's, you you know, you just need to be aware of it when you're in public space like that, that, you know, if you do see something to say something, or if you're not comfortable saying something, you know, maybe go get one of the, you know, know, they're all named different things. uh, Right. Get the tournament, you know, guys handling it or get the store owner or something like that. You know, um, I've had a store owner come up and apologize to me and because somebody had said something weird about like, oh, well, you can't play if your miniatures aren't painted because we only play with painted miniatures here. And the store owner's like, that's not a thing. Like, what's that about? You know, and I'm sorry somebody said that to you and stuff. I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, that stuff happens and everything. But yeah, them being able to attack that situation head on and then they went ahead and went and found out who that person was and was like, hey, you can't say this to people. And eventually, this is how good game stores get started. Eventually, those players that are doing those things will be like, this game store sucks. I'm leaving. I'm going to go to such and such game store. And then they go. And then the entire environment becomes better. So, like, if you as a game store owner want to create a better environment in your store, you just got to get rid of those players in a way that or at least let them know that what they're doing is not something that can be done in your store because the game owners help create and produce the environment that goes on in their store, you know? Yeah. And ultimately that's bad for business for them. <laughs> if you've well, got yeah, absolutely. Less, less players will go in there. I don't know. Like it, as a woman going into a game store, I can usually immediately tell if that's the sort of game store I'm going to hang out in. You know, if I walk into a game store and nothing changes, like I just walk in and I can like browse around and like like a normal person, that's probably a good game store to go to. If I walk in and every single person in that game store looks at me like in one unison, like unified thing, and I'm like, just got real intense in here. Like I'm, this is probably not a place where women frequent. And that means that this is probably not a place where I wanna be because there's probably a culture in here that doesn't like help that, help make that flourish, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it sucks. I mean, it, you, I guess you get this in, in every industry and every whatever. So like, you know, gaming is not, you know, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happens. I mean, people, people. So, yes. yeah, you know, things happen. But, uh, yes. you know, fortunately, hopefully, you know, it, it's not hugely widespread. Well, you know, over the years, those game stores end up not being game stores anymore. I mean, they might try to hold on and stuff like that, but if you're a game store, I mean, like you said, you know, you're missing out on money. You're missing out on more than half your revenues, you know? Like there's a lot of female gamers out there. As it is, like I am the person in the house that purchases board games. If me and Dr. Glory Hog go up to a demo place and nobody talks to me about the board games because I'm the person doing the board game stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're probably not going to purchase your board game. So just like making that inclusive makes your revenues go up. Like, man, it's it's a win-win process here for everybody involved. You know, you get more people in your store and everything. More people are happy in your store. You make more money. 
And, and as a gamer, it's it's interesting and fun, and it's you know, uh, you know, you have to wrap your head around. If you get to play with a wide variety of people, yes, you don't know what's going to happen, right? And you've got to really be engaged and try to like figure out what's going on because everybody's bringing something different to the table. That is the absolute best thing. You know, there's a lot of people that don't play with really, really young kids uh, as like their own entities, right? And I always tell people, I'm like, no, no, no. You have to have them play as their own. Like it's the most amazing thing ever because it completely changes the game for you. And this is so awesome. We played Agricola with my very, very young kid who I had, I had I think it was like around four to five years old, you know, wow. at the time. So very young and com they completely got the rules and everything and we're playing it. And I'm like, your people are starving. I'm like, you have all these sheep, you know, I'm like, but your people are starving. You should probably get food for your people. Or maybe you can eat one of the sheep or something. And my kid's like, no, we're not eating the sheep here. And I'm only getting sheep. And I was like, okay, well, you're going to miss out on points. And they're like, no, we're making Sean the sheep's farm. And then <laughs> <laughs> the entire game changed, though. The entire economy of the game changed because all of a sudden that sheep was the most important thing in the game. It was mm -hmm. like, I have to get my person in there any way possible to get this sheep. So because I don't want to go negative points here. Are you kidding? And I'm trying to bargain with the child. I'm like, if you just get, I will give you a carrot and stuff like I will give you things. Just let me just let me get the sheep. Just let me get the sheep. No. OK. All right. No sheep for me. <laughs> and it, like you said, it creates such an, a unique gameplay that that's a completely different experience that I would have never had, you know? And my child's like the game breaker, you know? She's like the ultimate play tester. We were playing a game to play test it and they were just getting bottle caps and bottle caps, which is like the money of the game, just collecting money and money and money. And the person's like, you don't want to do this? In, in the game, you don't want to collect these cards. They're like, no, I just like the money pieces. And they're like, <laughs> okay, well, I don't know if we have enough money pieces. We're going to have to start making notes about our game now. Hold on, you know? <laughs> and it was interesting to see that strategy carry through on what they did. It might not have been the best strategy, but it was really interesting. And it made everybody else's turns more interesting and more complex in what they had to do and different struggles. So, like, man... Yeah, it is so much fun to play with older people, younger people, like different ethnicities, like everybody has a different mindset on where they want to go with things and how they're thinking about things and handling things, you know, like people who love sports are going to think about things differently than people who do role playing. Like you got to get a different group of people in there to play with. It's so much fun. Like people are missing out if you only play with like a very vanilla sort of group of people all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> And that's the nice thing about having the game stores, as many game stores as we have, you know, in our area that you can go in and there's, you know, you never know who's going to be there. Uh, oh, absolutely. Right. You play with all sorts of different people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, and then all the conventions. So like, we're like, we're in a really good spot here. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we were really lucky in that regard. Definitely. Ab like we have so much to choose from so many game stores, so many, and so many good game stores, not like, I mean, we have a ton of game stores, but we also have like a ton of quality game stores too, on top of that. And then a ton of places where you can now 
have, I love the whole food and games thing. Like I want food now and games. Like this is an amazing concept. I can have my beer and go out in some place and have my beer and my game. And I don't even have to be, I don't even have to know how to play the game. Somebody will teach me how to play the game and I can mm -hmm. have my food and beer and meet people out here. Like, this is awesome. I, I'm super excited to see where that all goes. Like how many more of those places are going to start popping up? I'd like to see one down here, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome, right? Well, maybe. Maybe it'll get popular. I don't know. Geeks are getting more popular. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we just we just binged the Stranger Things, so. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good time to be a geek, I guess. That's right. Geeks are getting super popular. We're more popular than we've ever been, you know? Like, man, uh critical role and stuff like that. And uh, Will Wheaton's tabletop and stuff really did an amazing thing for the community with that sort of stuff. And just highlighting this stuff that was so nerdy and people would look down upon, oh, you do that thing? I still go in and like get my hair done or something. And they're like, you play role-playing games? What is this? Like, I've never even heard of this before, you know? But it's a little bit more now, it's a little bit more well-known and everything. It's a little bit cooler, which is awesome. You can talk about it more with people and introduce more people to it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and people are seeing their their popular cultural cultural icons get involved too. You've got yes. Vin Diesel and um, oh, the woman from uh, True Blood. I can't think of her name, the redhead. Oh, yes. And that's so much fun, right? Like yeah, yeah those people bringing in people who are like, what is this? And then all of a sudden they're hooked. They're like, this is amazing. I've never heard of this before. Like that's super awesome when you can share that with other people and, and, and what is it? Uh, infect a whole new group of people right, <laughs> that you right. didn't have before. <laughs> right. Exactly. Deborah Ann Wall just popped in my head. Oh, there we go. I'm yeah. so bad with names. <laughs> <laughs> like I know people by face. I don't always remember. Yes. Just, we had new right? neighbors move in next door and I met the guy outside. He's like, hey, I'm so-and-so. And now I'm just like, what the hell was that guy's name again? <laughs> like, damn it. I walked in the house. I'm like, I forgot already. I am the absolute worst with that. And like, oh my gosh, I don't know what it is. I'm so bad with names. And that carries over to sometimes game names as well. Because I'll be thinking of a game and I'll be like, okay, what was the name of that game again? I know it's like right on the tip of my tongue. Like, what is it? Yeah, I'm terrible. But that box or that face, I will never forget. Okay. <laughs> I will never forget that box art or a face. <laughs> so that's my brother. He'll come over and I'll say, what do you want to play? And he's like, uh, let's do the thing with the horse. And, <laughs> and you know, you move the thing. And I'm like, that becomes a whole new about? game. It's, it's a whole new game. It's like, okay, let's try to figure out what this new game is. And I'm like, do you mean Crusader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the horses. I'm like, oh, my God. All right. Like, just come and look at the shelf. I don't know what you're talking about. Right? Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I'm old, right? So, like, I'll just walk out of the room and forget, like, why I walked out of the room. And then I got to walk back in and, like, look around. Maybe something will jog my memory, you know? <laughs> what was I doing in here? And supposed to do something here. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so do you have any anything exciting that's coming up? I know you're going to Gen Con. Anything exciting for the channel that's coming up? Any any plans in the works? Well, for the channel, uh, Dr. Glory Hogg is finishing up his bachelor within the next few weeks. So then he's going to have more time, which 
I immediately scooped them up and said, we're going to be playing more games <laughs> on the channel. <laughs> All that time you were studying, we're going to be playing games, okay, for the channel. So we recently introduced doing live plays, which we're going to do weekly. So we do our Kickstarter show and we talk about, you know, the Kickstarters that we're going to back. And now whenever they come in, instead of just them coming in and then maybe taking pictures and stuff, they're going to come in and we're going to play them. And we're going to tell us you guys our final thoughts on the game. And if we ended up liking it or not, which is awesome because you get that full roundabout of like, okay, we were hyped about it. We backed it. It came in. What actually happened? Like what happened in the end? You know, you get right. your happy ending of everything or maybe not happy ending. I don't know. We're going to see. <laughs> Also, I'm going to be doing app-based games. So I really loved doing my Chronicles of Crime series that I've done a couple times where I play Chronicles of Crime with somebody and I do it online and people get to participate with me online and stuff. And I'm going to be doing that with not only Chronicles of Crime, but also app-based games that you have out there to create awareness that, hey, you can play Mysterium online with your friends on an app or on your computer. Or, hey, you can play Lanterns, you know, with your friends online or, you know, on your computer and stuff like that. So I'm going to be introducing that into the channel. And what else? And I'm, I'm hoping to do more of my skits and stuff like that. I did a play mat overview on you know how i liked it or not and i did like this little intro where i showed you how much i loved play mats in a very music video style way <laughs> and i'm hoping to introduce more of, of that stuff to my channel because i love comedy and i love reaching out to people and making them laugh and just creating something that uh is a little different, you know, and I'm hoping to do more of that. I have lots of good ideas. It's like, I'm just hoping to get the time to start fulfilling those things now, you know? <laughs> that's the thing. You got to add them to the list and that list generates another list. Yes, that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to be connecting more with our audience and stuff and doing more of those live plays and everything and just adding more content. I'm hoping to do a, a raise it for more than like maybe two or three times a week, so. Okay, how many hours do you think you put in a week now doing everything? Oh my gosh. Right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, luckily, some of my work kind of ties together because it's usually on the weekends, I'm already looking at Kickstarters for the week and we put our list together and figure out what we're gonna be talking about because we don't get paid for any of our Kickstarter stuff and I don't believe in getting paid for that stuff because I want to bring you really good Kickstarter information. I don't want to have somebody putting a dollar in my pocket going, and if you talk about our Kickstarter, no, no, no. I want it to be very true, you know, in that aspect of like, these are what we're, we're legitly excited about and here are legit opinions about them. Uh, but that starts on Sundays. And then Mondays I prep and usually write out a bunch of stuff. Tuesdays I start recording stuff for Dice Tower on that. So that's, you know, I. On the weekend, it matters how many Kickstarters there are. It could be three hours or something, you know, on Monday, writing those scripts. If it's a bad week and I don't want to say anything about those <laughs> Kickstarters, that script's going to take forever to write, okay? <laughs> Recording's actually pretty easy. It's only a couple hours to get that recorded and edited. Then that's all my pre-work for my Friday show, you know? Yeah, yeah. I still have my Steve Jackson stuff that I end up doing, and so that takes, you know another eight to 12 hours worth of work a week doing that. So to say the least, I don't actually sleep a whole lot. Like, 
I am usually up till midnight, 2 a.m. almost every day. So like, it's a lot of work that goes into it. And I don't know if how many people realize how much work goes into all that stuff, especially if I have to edit things. Like luckily a lot of our stuff is live. So as long as I'm prepared with the information, I can do stuff live. Um, it helps so I don't have to do as much editing and stuff, but whenever I actually put together like a formal review or a formal preview for something, that just takes more time. And Or if I'm prepping for like something like the Come On Expo where I did a bunch of panels, I have to build all of that from the floor up. I have to make sure I have all the graphics for that. I have to make sure that, you know, I get everybody's names to pop up at the right time and stuff like that. And the final product looks amazing, but it's a lot of work going into that. So I hope everybody appreciates it. Yeah. I like doing it, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> it definitely is. That's for sure. I feel that. <laughs> it's not that much work for me, but it's, it's still like a, you know, it, it's almost like another full-time job. Well, absolutely. I mean, even when it was just the podcast, it's like, all right, you do the podcast and then you still have to take all of that information, throw it through all these processors, make sure everything's level, add, you know, your enders, your beginners, like beginning pieces, like, and people get to hear the one hour lovely podcast that you did. And they're like, that took one hour to create. Good job. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> You wouldn't believe the setup and all the problems we had with technical stuff before that happened. That was like an hour worth of work there. And then we recorded it for an hour. And then I also mm -hmm. had to edit it. And you wouldn't believe what happened during editing because that was 30 minutes to an hour. And all of a sudden that one hour podcast turned into like, you know, four hours worth of work. So like, yeah, that's half a day. <laughs> yep. I, I We... I, I took my kid to go get registered for college today. Like Friday is usually like my oh, day to edit and like, you know, I throw laundry in while I'm doing it and I'll, you know, get up and vacuum and then come back and I'll edit some more. I spent like 15 hours last weekend just editing. Yes. Like, oh man. Yeah. It takes a lot more time than you think. And like, I'll put together these pieces of, yay, I went to this convention. I did all these things. Those things take the longest time to edit because you're piecing in these pictures that you took and you're piecing in these videos you took from different places. And the more things you're piecing in, then you got to do it to a song, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh my God, it's like so much stuff. Now I have to add that in there and make sure they all time at the right time. Like, and then like, you know, 16 hours later, I'm like, okay, that five minute piece is done. <laughs> yep. It's rough. It's rough. It is. It takes a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun seeing it all come together. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, I, we're like at about an hour and a half here, so I should probably let you run because you probably have like 40 things to do tonight. And I do. I do have things to, to do. To <laughs> but I've had so much fun. Thank you so much for inviting me on here. I love talking to you. I'm excited to see you down at RinCon this year and everything. I always have a great time. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to be able to make it down. Hopefully, maybe we can, we can do some gaming this year because we haven't, we haven't done that together. And I that think... Would we get some pretty savage, savage games in. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I would love to do that. Let's do that. <laughs> awesome, definitely. I know Meeple Lady said she was going to bring down her, um, oh, I can't think of the name. It starts with an S. It's a Japanese war game. Oh, yes. I know which one you're talking about. What is it, like Sakai or something like that? Or uh, what is it? Cora? No. I want, is, I want to play it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said she was going to bring it. She posted on Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, I really want to play that. But like, it takes forever to play. And she's like, oh, I'll bring it. I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. I keep seeing that game on her Instagram stuff and everything. And she posts about it and stuff. I'm like, 
want to get to that game. I want to get to that game. <laughs> really cool. I guess she'll probably kill us, right? Because she's got a lot oh, of experience. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And she's good. She's really good at game, gaming. <laughs> and she's cutthroat, too. Every time we play games, I'm like, mm, I like you because I have to watch out for you every step. <laughs> mm, <right. laughs> the shaping up to be a good Rincon. <laughs> Cool. I'm, I'm super glad that you came on the show. We probably should have done this sooner. I, you know, was sitting looking. I'm like, man, we haven't done a lot of interviews lately and, and whatever. And I'm like, shit, I've never had cat on. Like, how dumb is that? Like, well, thank you so much for thinking of me. <laughs> absolutely. And then thanks for thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Cool. I have links in the show notes for all of your stuff, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any other thing you want to just throw out there before we jump out of here? I don't think so. You know, you can go to Gloryhound with 2Ds.com and like I should have a bunch of links there for all my new stuff and everything. And yeah, have a good time. <laughs> enjoy the games. That's right. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the shenanigans and banter, like because there's always shenanigans happening. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate you coming on. And if you guys enjoyed this, Give us the thumbs up. That helps on, on YouTube. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, you know, all the different places. So like, share, subscribe, uh, download the podcast, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mom. She might be listening to podcasts too. Who knows now there's a podcast for everybody. That's true. Uh, That's what you do in the car. <laughs> right? I do at work, in the car, everywhere, <laughs> at the gym, which sometimes is not the best thing, especially if they get you laughing, you're lifting, oh, and all no. of a sudden somebody cracks a joke. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's dangerous. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> Uh, all right. And then last thing, if you guys could check out the sponsor, we have birds of a feather coffee uh, links for the coffee or the show notes. It's a ridiculous slug. If you don't want to go to the show notes, you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash legendary brew. It's a medium roast. It's really good. It, you know, it sounds stupid. You know, Oh, it's the only thing I drink. It's literally the only thing that I purchase and drink at home. You know, when you go out, you get stuck and, it really spoils your palate. Neil's an awesome coffee roaster. Everything is made fresh. When you put an order in for the Legends, it's going to be roasted and shipped out as fresh as you can get it. I suggest the whole bean now. I've upped my game. I've got a coffee grinder. It's even better if you grind it just before you, right before you French press it. So please check them out as well. It helps out the show. And thanks, everybody, for checking it out. We'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.